Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. Again, it's Adam Luckett coming to you for another fun belt edition of the pod. I believe this is episode 38, and today we're going to answer some of your questions, recap week nine, and go over week 10. And joining me once again is Aikman Chambers, our guy for App State over at the site. Aikman, how you doing? I'm doing good, Adam. Uh, great to be back on the podcast with you and uh, ready to talk some Sunbelt football. Yes, sir. And, uh, it was a crazy weekend this past weekend. We had some non-conference games and some conference games, some close conference games, and some big conference games. What was your biggest takeaway from this uh, past weekend, Aikman? For me, it was Georgia State really making getting a big win at home against South Alabama. I thought their defense played really, really well. They totally shut down South Alabama's rushing attack, held them to under 50 yards rushing, and held Xavier Johnson, South Alabama's all-time leading rusher, to negative yards rushing in the game. I thought their defense really dominated that game and put on put on a good performance on Thursday as they now sit 3-1 and one in conference play. Well, my takeaway uh, from this uh, past week in the Sun Belt is this. that I think it's Arkansas State, I think, is really starting to separate themselves from everybody else. Yeah, I, I, in my weekly power rankings poll, or not a poll, just I rank the teams each week. I had them number one for the first time this season. It really should be no surprise. They do this every year. Um, I wouldn't say we sleep on them. I just say Blake Anderson does a good, does better than any other coach in the in the conference of really taking the team and what he has and molding them into, you know, a championship contender um, each year. And now as we enter November, uh, they're there. They're, they look ready and primed to go win another conference title. Yeah, you're exactly right. This team is playing really good football. Justice Hanson is playing really solid at that quarterback position. That is so key. And, you know, Arkansas state, they go into a bye week, uh, this week, so they've got time to prepare themselves, get some guys healthy for uh, that last uh, month run of the season coming up. Yes, it's much needed, and they picked up a huge win over New Mexico State this past weekend, and New Mexico State was coming off a bye, so that was a nice, nice win for the Red Wolves. I believe they outscored New Mexico State. Yeah, they did outscore them 30-7 to in the second half, so really a dominating performance. Justice Hansen continues to play well, threw for four touchdowns, and really a surprise for – not a really surprise, but Javon Roland-Jones has really got going here in the second in the second half of the season. Ever since Sunbelt play has started, he's been a dynamic force off the edge, and he has eight sacks on the season, and I believe seven or six of those have come in, uh, in, in conference play, so he's really – starting to flex his muscles like we all thought he would in the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. And, you know, that old saying is better late than ever. He started off kind of slow. Then they uh, missed that Miami game, which gave them a, a weird uh, feel to the season because they're going to end up being a game short compared to a lot of the other teams uh, in the conference. But he, you're right, past couple weeks he has turned it on. He's gotten to that, uh, you know, all-American form that we've seen that we know this guy can be. And it was much needed for this Arkansas State defense, and it's really starting to show. And also this past weekend, we saw an upset. App State traveled up to Amherst and lost to UMass in double overtime. What what was the deal up there, Aikman? I know Taylor Lamb, that passing game, really struggled. But on paper, that was supposed to be a favorable matchup as UMass was giving up chunks of yards in the air all season. 
Well, you're right. On paper, it was uh, supposed to be a very favorable matchup for Taylor Lamb and, and things of that nature. But the thing about it is, is Appalachian failed to make good off of turnovers they forced against UMass. They forced uh, four turnovers in the game. Now, Appalachian State had three within themselves, but the crucial one came. The first play of double overtime, the fourth string running back, he uh, fumbled the football in the first play of double overtime after Appalachian had answered UMass to end uh, overtime number one. And Appalachian is beat up at the running back position. Uh, Terrence Upshaw is still out. Jalen Moore did not play Saturday. It was left into the hands of Marcus Williams Jr. and Dietrich Harrington, and Harrington is the one who fumbled the football first play of uh, the second overtime period, which basically gave the game to UMass with the way their field goal kicker has been pretty accurate. And, you know, this is a team they're still dealing with, you know, the receiving uh, spots. Thomas Hennigan was non-existent in this game against UMass. Uh, Ike Lewis, however, continued his strong play. Jalen Virgil had a, a couple of good uh, receptions, but just really not enough out of the passing game to warrant UMass having to worry uh, when I mean, when Marcus Williams Jr. carries the ball 25 times, uh, Dietrich Harrington 13 times, Taylor Lamb 7 times, uh, Malik Williams also had 25 carries as well. I mean, when you're running the ball as much as Appalachian State did, they took their passing game really out of the equation, and that's been the issue, as we've talked about before. It's never a complete offensive performance with Appalachian State. When the passing game is good, the run game suffers. When the run game is good, the passing game suffers. Yeah, they just can't seem to get on the same page, and that's been an issue all season. You have to hope that this is kind of a wake-up call for them. And if they were going to suffer an upset, this is where they needed to suffer it, in non-conference play. So we'll see if they can bounce back. They just just haven't been able to get on the same page. Some of it's been due to injuries, and some of it's just been due to lack of execution. But also, we'll stay in the Mid-Atlantic area. Coastal Carolina, looking for their first Sun Belt win, was blasted by Texas State as Everett Withers in his second season finally picked up his first conference win. It was really an, kind of an embarrassing performance by the Chanticleers. Their only touchdown came on a scoop and score in the first quarter, and their offense was flat out ugly all night. Only 183 total yards, as in a, then they were killed by penalties. 14 penalties for the night up for 123 yards, and in another winnable game at home, they really crapped the bed. Well, I'll tell you what. If you look at the, I encourage anybody to look at the box score to show you how abysmal of a performance this was. After Coastal Carolina put up a very good performance at Appalachian State a couple of weeks ago, they come back with this game against Texas State and look like a totally different Coastal Carolina team. When now they only mustered 34 rushing yards this entire game compared to Texas State 238, so they were outgained by nearly 200 yards on the ground. Their leading rusher was their quarterback, Tyler Keene, who only had two carries for eight yards. Osharmar Abercrombie had only four carries for five yards. And it's just amazing that they were able to even score seven points for the simple fact of it being the running game was non-existent. Uh, Once again, you came back to splitting time at quarterback between Kilton Anderson and Tyler Keene after Tyler Keene pretty much 
held the fort down very well against Appalachian State a couple of weeks ago. You went back to these old issues that Coastal Carolina was plagued throughout earlier part of the season, and it showed big time against Texas State. Yeah, they really, really struggled. It's been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. It seems when they play teams above their head, they play pretty well. But when they play teams that are you know, close with, like a Western Illinois, like a Texas State, even to a, a ULM to a certain extent, they just don't play play that great or they don't play it you know they don't execute really don't live up to their potential so their schedule sets up where they still have some chances at some wins but sitting at one and seven you have to think that this uh, year's been a disappointment it has and this is a team that come up to the Sun Belt ranks with a lot of promise a lot of success in their years at the uh, FCS I mean who knows if does not having Joe Moglia around on the sidelines make that big of a difference for this team we don't really know, uh, but I tell you what, it's uh, definitely at this point now for Coastal Carolina, you hope that they can pull out a couple of wins with what they've got left on their schedule, but the longer we go here, they're really starting to look forward to 2018. ULM continues to struggle. Troy took care of Georgia Southern really kind of easily. Um, any any big takeaways from those two contests, Aikman? Well, I guess uh, one takeaway is that it doesn't – really fixed the Georgia Southern issues even though you get rid of your coach I don't apparently it doesn't make too big of a a difference as far as your performance on the field albeit they were playing Troy one of the top three teams in this conference but still if Georgia Southern fans are looking for a more inspiring performance they didn't get it Saturday either yeah and then over in the Kibbe Dome ULM's woeful defensive performances continued as Matt Linehan threw for a season high, 360 yards and three touchdowns. Then on the other side, Caleb Evans threw for 415, but the Warhawks couldn't get their ground game going, and that ended up being the difference as they dropped another close game. And now it's looking like that they can finish the season with only three wins after getting off to that fast start in conference play and sitting at 3-2 and two and 3-0 and oh in the league. Really, the bottom's just falling out for the Warhawks. Yeah, it definitely has. It's what uh, showed so much promise after the way they uh, fought back in that Memphis game and the way they played uh, Louisiana Lafayette to come out with that win. And just their performance in some games really gave this team a lot of promise and a team we talked about that uh, that we could see possibly making some noise down the stretch. But the way they've played the past couple of weeks and the way that defense has looked, all of a sudden you start to want to take a lot of that back. Okay, and we'll get – to uh, slide into our Twitter and get some of our mentions. We asked for questions this afternoon, which will be Wednesday, and this pod will go up Thursday a.m. So I appreciate all of you that uh, reached out. It's something that we I think we'll do um, moving forward for most of our pods. First one comes from James at Mr. Faison. I'm assuming Troy can win the rest of their games. Who you see winning that Arkansas State-Troy matchup? I think James was assuming that was for the championship, but with App State, Still undefeated, that's not going to happen. So, But anyway, that's going to be a premier game in the league. It's going to be the best game of the Sun Belt. And since it's on that last Saturday, it's kind of a what the championship be of sorts, a game like that. Um, right now, Aikman, who would you favor in that matchup? Well, you look at how each team has looked the past couple of weeks is what we're running on here. And I'll be honest with you, right now, head-to-head from what I've seen the past couple of weeks – I know they beat LSU, but I'll be honest with you, I would favor Arkansas State in the matchup right now. Yeah, I would I would lean Arkansas State right now. Troy's passing game is still a concern. 
Even this past week, Silver's threw for under 200 yards again. So you're never you, – they're just inconsistent right now, Troy. But Troy's defense is still the best in the conference, if you ask me. So that's going to give them a chance against anybody they play, and they need to get Jordan Shun healthy. With the game happening in Jonesboro, you got to give Arkansas State the edge – but there's still a lot of football to be played. and Either way, that's going to be an excellent, excellent football game come December. But right now, I would side with the Red Wolves. Um, we'll go on to our next question. Jacinto Delgado asks, what are the chances of New Mexico State breaking the longest bowl drought in FBS? We talked about this in the previous pod, Aikman. But I believe it's going to be pretty good. Now, they sit at 7-5 and five right now. But their, their schedule was brutal. They had to play all three um, of the big dogs, New Mexico State, Troy, and Appalachian State, in the first half of their Sun Belt schedule. Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, you said seven and five. Did you mean to say three and five? Well, yeah, they're seven or they're three and five right now, but they have a chance to win out and get to seven and five. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And it's very possible. I mean, Texas State, Louisiana Lafayette, Idaho, and South Alabama, I could easily see New Mexico State winning out if the right New Mexico State team comes to play. Now, if the New Mexico State team of Tyler Rogers that shows up and he starts throwing interceptions like he's been known to do a couple of times this season, then that just that's just going to throw New Mexico State right out of the chance of winning out. And, you know, it, this New Mexico State team, I think, in a lot of ways – goes how Tyler Rogers goes. Games that he's throwing interceptions, they don't tend to win. Games he protects the football and shows what he's capable of doing, they win those football games. Yeah, that's exactly right. They, the interceptions are a hurry. Now, Tyler Rogers stalls a lot, so you, when you throw as many times as they are, you, interceptions are going to come. But this this week's a big one, I think, because Texas State, they're obviously better than them, but Texas State's got some good momentum. They've got a pretty good defense. And if they can't win that one, then you start to get a little nervous because then you're at three and six and you got to win out completely. And you, and you, one of those is on the road. So I think win this one and they're sitting pretty. If they lose this one, I would say that they're probably going to be sitting at home come bowl season. Yeah, that's why I agree with you 100%. This Texas State game is going to tell you a lot. And I think you're right. If they win, if they go out and have a good performance, things are going to look good. But if they were to slip up and lose this game, I start to lose a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to break that streak. Okay, and then we'll go. Our own Zatchel Ziffer asked us, "What's happening with Coastal Carolina? I thought they would be would have a smooth transition. Does it have to do with Moglia, of course, their head coach who had to sit out the season? Does it have to do with him sitting out?" Well, that's an interesting uh, question and a good one because, you know, you look at this team, they got a, a good number of guys from last year's team and the past two years it's been pretty successful down in Conway. Now, albeit that was at the FCS level and you've moved up to the FBS level and you wonder just how much does not having Moglia affect this team because Jamie Chadwell was a excellent head coach at the FCS level. He pulled Charleston Southern out of the cellar of the FCS, not just the Big South Conference, but the FCS in general, he pulled Charleston Southern out and turned them into a one of the FCS powers. He comes over to Coastal Carolina to be an offensive coordinator for the transition, ends up being head coach this year. So, I mean, it's a number of things, but 
quarterback issues has plagued this team. They've not been consistent at quarterback. Tyler King goes and has good games, and then he ends up splitting time with somebody else. And they've had running back issues this year as well. The running games had issues, and the defense has had a lot of issues too. This team's given up a lot of points. We knew those offensive issues were going to be a thing coming in. They lost a ton off last year's team including an NFL running back. And then Chadwell was coming in his first season. They did. They had no idea what they were going to do at quarterback. So we knew the offense was going to have some, you know, real glaring holes. But the big thing for me is I think this defense is really, really disappointed. They've given up over 50 points three times, twice in Sunbelt play, once to ULM and then another one to Arkansas State, and then another one in an FCS game, a game they thought to win. When they got started, that, that win against UMass was a really, really nice win. They In that game, they ran for over 200 yards. I believe Oshamar Abercrombie ran for over 200 yards himself. But ever since then, that running game has just really been lost. They haven't had they haven't had it since that game. So I think that's really hurt their offense. And their defense has just been so bad, it's not giving them much of a chance. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you look, since the UMass game, they won first game of the year. Coastal Carolina has only been uh, competitive in three or four of their ball games. All the other ones have been blowouts. Texas State wasn't close. Arkansas State wasn't close. Uh, Western Illinois wasn't close. I mean, so you've had a sh- you know three or four of their ball games there have not even been close after the win against UMass. But and then they you know with what they've got this week on Doc going to an SEC power in Arkansas, it's not going to get any easier for that or to end the year because they got Troy, Idaho, and really the only winnable game I see left on this Coastal Carolina schedule. I mean, you you might could say Idaho, but I don't feel very confident about that. The only winnable game I see left is the Georgia Southern game, December 2nd. Right, and with Mobile being out, I think that has obviously a big part in it. But me personally, I thought it was going to be a rough year for Coastal Carolina. They lost a lot off last year's team. They just had a lot of unknowns. And, and with this schedule, their wins were at the beginning of the year, and they didn't get them. Exactly. So now – it's looking now they're sitting at one and seven. They're beat up. They're going to go and get their, you know, really get smashed these next two games, probably go to Arkansas and then Troy at home. Then you're sitting at one and nine. And then it's just, you're ready for the season to be over at that point. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're going to have to take them on the chin these next two weeks against Arkansas and Troy and just hope you can compete with Idaho and hope you can beat Georgia Southern. Yes. And we'll move over to another question comes in from J Bo at J Bo one. He asked about Mark Hudspeth and his inability to recruit and develop a quarterback. Terrence Broadway was a transfer, he mentions, and that's really the only um, good quarterback play they have gotten. Yeah, you see that. I mean, that's true with anybody um, You to have a good quarterback. Uh, of course, he landed that transfer, and he tried to get in the transfer market last year with Anthony Jennings from LSU, but that really did not work out. And I think that's been the big issue for them the last three seasons. They're – on their way to their third straight losing season, and they just haven't gotten good quarterback play. I think this year has been okay with under new offensive coordinator Will Hall. Um, I say we're going real fast to start the season, but they've kind of slowed down here the last couple of weeks just because their defense had some major issues. But Jordan Davis has looked okay this year. Injuries have really hurt them, and it's a brutal schedule. So, I mean, I think the quarterback plays better this year, but that's definitely an issue for him moving forward as – He's the highest-paid coach in the Sun Belt, making over a million a year, and he's about to have his, you know, his third straight seven-loss season. 
Well, you know, you're exactly right. And it's one of those things that I've wondered about uh, with this uh, Raging Cajun Ball Club. You know, they they put me on a little bit of a worry scale first game of the year for the simple fact they gave up 48 points to an FCS foe in southeastern Louisiana. They put me on a worry scale then. Then they allowed 66 to Tulsa. They allowed 45 to Texas A&M. Allowed 56 to Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Them in their first four games, they give up what some teams it takes eight games for them to give up what they gave up in four, and so it was it worried me then as far as defensively, offensively. Yeah, they've had flashes. They've scored fifty one, forty two, and they've also scored fifty. But that was in the uh, overtime game against Louisiana Monroe. Other than that, I mean, this offense has just been okay. I mean, they not really succeeded. They most they've scored twenty one points since that Louisiana Monroe game and and with who they've played Texas State and uh they've also played Arkansas State they got South Alabama this week this team I don't foresee this team you know making a bowl game with what they've got left because after South Alabama going to Ole Miss New Mexico State uh Appalachian State and Georgia Southern I don't see but about two maybe three winnable games left for this uh team this year a lot of it was Davis got hurt and they had injuries at quarterback and then Andre Nunez, they kind of brought on slowly a junior college transfer. But I think they just wanted to slow down the offense just because their defense was just getting blasted to start the season. Gave up at least 45 points in each of their first four games. And as they slowed down, they played, they played pretty well. Their defense did at Idaho and then against Texas State. But then they faced the juggernaut in Arkansas State and just got their doors blown off. But the real part of their schedule starts now. They've got four Sun Belt games left. Um, at App State's going to be a tall task, but New Mexico State, Georgia Southern, and at South Alabama are all toss-ups. So I don't think they're going to win all of those. But if they could just get to five and seven again, and Davis can show some, stay healthy and play well, I think they'll have some stuff to move on uh, going into 2018. Yeah, you're definitely right. If they can uh, get a strong, uh, if they can get a strong finish here, possibly win three. Uh, three out of their last five here, you know, something of that nature that puts them on the on the cusp of bowl eligibility at uh, at six and six. So we will have to we'll wait and see there. But they, if they do things right and things fall right, this team could carry some momentum into 2018. But just as easy as they could carry that momentum, they could also be looking back thinking what 2016 possibly could have been the way the season could possibly end for this team. I agree 100% right there. Then Hunter Hagen, this will be our last question of the day, at Hunter Hagen for chances of Georgia Southern getting a win this season. He says the team looked better with Lunsford, but uh, they're still uh, playing pretty bad. So look at the, I'll pull up their schedule right now. They're sitting at 0-7, 0-3 in the Sun Belt. We'll go through the schedule right here, Aikman. Georgia State uh, comes to Paulson Stadium this week. We'll talk about that game more a little bit later, but who do you give the edge to there? Well, I'm going to give the edge to Georgia State in that matchup, and you know this would have been this would have been the uh, the game if Georgia Southern had hung on to Tyson Summers for another week. This would have been the game if he would have lost, he'd have been fired afterwards instead of the UMass game. App State um, at home or at App State on November 9th, a Thursday. Uh, that's a loss. South Alabama. Then they close out the season. South Alabama at home at UL Lafayette, and then at Coastal Carolina. To me. Those are the three games. They're going to get a win. It'll happen in one of those three. Now, anything can happen in a rivalry game with Georgia State. I I feel pretty safe saying they're going to get at least one win. 
Yeah, dude, and I'll be honest with you, I could see that one win coming against Coastal Carolina. That's where I see the most likely spot of this one win coming uh, for this team. Now, as you mentioned, anything can happen in a rivalry with Georgia State, and uh, people don't need to forget about anything is possible when Georgia Southern and Appalachian State do battle too. A little bit of insight on that. It was nothing back when these two were FCS foes and uh, rivals in the Southern Conference uh, every season. It was nothing for Appalachian State to go to Statesboro and beat a top-ranked Georgia Southern team. It happened multiple times, just like Georgia Southern would come to Boone and knock off a top-ranked Appalachian State team. These two teams, they can be on opposite ends of the spectrum, and these two teams find a way to play each other tight. I've seen it happen. It was a it's something that always happened. Even when App State was in the midst of their championship runs in five, six, and seven, still Georgia State was or Georgia Southern, excuse me, was never a gimme for uh, either ball club. So it, it's one of those games. It's two rivalry games back to back for Georgia Southern because Appalachian State and Georgia Southern have had some tremendous games with each other in the past. Yes, they have. And when the league brought them in, that rivalry was supposed to be, you know, one of the best in the conference. And now that Georgia Southern has fallen off, it really that hurts the league. They need both of those programs to be good for the league to reach its potential. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the main reasons they decided to pull App State and Georgia Southern together is because the legacy both teams left at the FCS level. You know, both teams had won FCS national championships. Both teams had multiple upon multiple Southern Conference championships. Uh, Both teams... uh, played FBS schools uh, tough in uh, in a lot of their games. So, I mean, what these two schools did at the FCS level together and against each other, the Sun Belt scene, the regional aspect, they were working f- towards it. We're going to see in full effect in 2018, hence why Idaho and New Mexico State are leaving because the conference is shifting on being a pure southeastern United States conference. Yes, it is, and I think that's a good decision long-term. But to get back to the question – I, I like I really like it. I think they'll get one at least, and I I give them a a pretty good shot to get uh, two wins. The schedule just breaks down pretty well. They got really four games. I think they're going to be they're in right to late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, if if I'm going to give them two wins, I think it's going to come. It, this is just my opinion. I think the one win that they can get will be Coastal Carolina, and I think the second win that I could see them getting is against South Alabama. Okay, and that will wrap up the mailbag this week. Thanks again, everybody, for asking us some questions. We really appreciate it. I think it's going to be something we continue to do more moving forward. So we appreciate that, and I keep those questions coming. And now we'll get into the action this weekend, Aikman. As we got one game on Thursday and then a bunch of games on Saturday. It looks like five total. Everybody is in conference except for Coastal Carolina, who's going – on the road to face an SEC team. We'll start Thursday night, ESPNU. It's a late kickoff, 9-15 Eastern time, 8-15 local there in Troy as the Vandals hit the road to take on the Trojans. Troy leads this series all-time 3-1, to and they enter as an 18-point favorite as of right now. You think Idaho has any chance chance in this one? Well, the only thing they can hope for is, you know, they catch uh... – they were to catch Troy off guard, but I, I don't think that there's going to be much to worry about here. I don't see Troy uh, struggling very much here at home on Thursday night primetime. Uh, 
at home. I just don't see them struggling much here, and I think that hints at why they're an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, Troy has struggled when you talk about covering on the season. For the year, they've only covered twice, and one was as when they were a huge underdog at LSU, and then the other one was when they bounced back and smoked Georgia State after a disappointing loss to South Alabama. Other than that, when they've been big-time favorites, they haven't covered. So I think Idaho has a chance to keep it close, but this Idaho offense has really not done much all season. And Troy's defense is the best in the Sun Belt. I think they, the Troy defense should handle them. And then on the other side of the ball, Idaho's defense is improved. They got three really, really good linebackers and Tony Lashley, Caden Ellis, and Ed Hall, and then defensive end Aikman Coleman. It's still a really good – or Akeem Coleman, excuse me, is still a really good player. He was a Sun Belt newcomer of the year last year. So I think they have a chance to keep it close, but I don't see Troy dropping two home games on weeknights this season. No, most definitely not. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I look at too, you know, for for Troy is that this is a way that they can continue to build momentum towards a possible Arkansas State game because – the. The schedule is very favorable for them before they reach that Arkansas State game with Idaho this week, Coastal Carolina uh, in a couple of weeks, and then Texas State. The schedule is very favorable for this team to have a ton of momentum going into Jonesboro on December 2nd. Yeah, I think at this point we're all waiting for that. That's going to be the game of the year in the Sun Belt by far. But I, I think Detroit cruises Thursday night, but it may be a little ugly. And then we'll move on to the Saturday action, Aikman. App State travels to ULM. Uh, you, are you expecting a strong bounce-back performance from the Mountaineers this Saturday? Well, I'm hoping so. I think, uh, you know, Taylor Lamb, who is still having a good season, uh, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. It's a pretty good ratio in my book. Uh, he He's still continuing to have a pretty good season. I'm hoping, you know, if that ULM defense uh, continues to give up that 37 points a game, that they've been giving up, that Appalachian State can get something going, that Taylor Lamb can get that passing game going. I, I really want to see the running game get going. I'm hoping. Uh, I've not had an official word yet on more and Upshaw's status of what they're looking like. You know, you get one of those guys back, and they could easily have a uh, a pretty good day against this uh, ULM defense. When you look at the ULM defense, they've given up 30 points and three consecutive games now. Mike Collins, defensive coordinator. They were bad last year, and they may be even worse this season, and that was not expected, and that's not a good sign moving forward. But on the other side of the football, Caleb Evans is given, or excuse me, he's given them some really, really good play behind center. He's been able to run the ball. He's had big games on the ground. He's had big games on the air or in the air as he threw for over 400 yards last week. But the schedule is just a brute for ULM closing it out. I'll be interested to see if they put up a spirited effort here. You mentioned those running back injuries for App State. I don't think it really matters when you're going up against these defense. Whoever App State plugs in at running back, they should have their way on the ground. And I expect a big day out of Lamb. Um, and I think, I think App State will bounce back strong and uh, put up a good performance on the road. 
Yeah, that's what I'm I'm thinking, you know, the only thing you have to worry about, it's been a trend with App State, is they let a lesser team hang around and hang around and hang around, and they let UMass hang around and hang around until it finally caught up to them and bit them. So maybe it took something like that against UMass to wake this team up. Right, and it's a bounce-back spot for App State. Uh, they need them to play strong after that disappointing loss to UMass, and so we'll, we'll find out. Three o'clock Eastern kickoff there in Monroe, two o'clock local time. Then another game at three o'clock. This is on ESPN three. I believe all the games at Sun Belt sites are on ESPN three this week, except the Thursday game. But New Mexico State, we talked about it a little bit earlier, goes to Texas State. New Mexico State's offense has turned had issues with turnovers lately, and they're going to be playing a stingy Texas State defense who finally has some momentum as they picked up as Everett Withers picked up his first conference victory in his second season there in San Marcos. Yeah, it's going to be a big matchup here between the Aggies and the Bobcats. This is a game, uh, you know, New Mexico State is going to be obviously the favorite here in this game. They're a, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, and a lot of people look and think that Texas or that uh, New Mexico State will roll in this game as that nine-and-a-half-point favorite. But I'm going to be honest with you. If New Mexico State comes out giving mistakes and coughing up the football like we kind of like I kind of talked about a little bit earlier about them, this is a game that you, if you let Texas State hang around, they could hurt you. That's for sure. I think a fast start is crucial for New Mexico State here. Um, they need to shut down Texas State's offense, who's kind of got some momentum after passing and rushing for both over 200 yards last week and having 32 first downs against Coastal Carolina. Their defense can do some good things early, and they can get some scores up on the board there in the first or second quarter and get a, a lead. I think they, they, sh- they should be able to cruise to victory, but if not – if this ends up being kind of a four-quarter game that's, that favors Texas State. So a fast start, I think, is crucial for the Aggies. Oh, big time. And, you know, if this is a game, if they can jump out, put Texas State, you know, two, even three scores down uh, early, I think you're really going to just pull the confidence right away from the Bobcats. Then over in Statesboro, we've got the rivalry game. Georgia State making the road trip. Last year, Georgia State – only one, only went three and nine, I believe. But one of their wins was a huge upset over Georgia Southern, and that victory and it was a win that really kept Georgia Southern out of a bowl game last year as they finished the season five and seven. Really, this is a dangerous spot for Georgia State because Georgia Southern. This is Georgia Southern Super Bowl. They're winless, zero and seven. Interim coach Chad Lunsford. It's his first home game as the head man. He's been a guy that's been on the Georgia Southern staff for years. Their fans should show up because they're playing Georgia State and they've got rid of Summer, so they have something to cheer for here. So it's a dangerous spot for Georgia State, and Sean Elliott's club needs to be on their A game Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you're right. They do. I mean, this is uh, one of those spots that's reversed from last year, where Georgia Southern was playing for that bowl, uh, where Georgia Southern was playing for that bowl game position and jockeying for it. Georgia State not you know so much to play for last year the the roles are flipped this year georgia state jockeying for bowl position while georgia southern's just trying to muster up a win while they can before this season is up and it's a very dangerous spot but the thing that worries me this is a georgia southern defense is giving up for almost 41 points a game I mean, if there's any day for Connor Manning and, and penny hart to really have a good combo day together it's against this awful Georgia Southern defense. Yeah, that secondary has been lit up all season, but they shut down 
Troy and Brandon Silvers last week, so that's maybe they're cut. Maybe they've come on to something. Um, Georgia State's offense played well enough last week, and then win against South Alabama. I think their def- or Georgia State's defense was dominating so much that they really got conservative on offense because they really didn't they need to take the chances needed because they knew their defense was gonna, you know play well enough to give them the win as long as they didn't have a big costly mistake on offense. But they're going to have to play this week. The option, I think, could give this Georgia State defense some some troubles just because it's, you know, something different, something they haven't really seen yet this season. I think Georgia State's going to win, but I really, really think this is going to be a nail-biter down to the very last possession. Yeah, it, it, the spread is only four, so that tells you that they think this game's going to be competitive, and rightfully so. A rivalry game like this, you want to see – Competitive. Uh, this could. This is a game Georgia Southern could grab their first win, and what a team to do it over than Georgia State. So it's going to be one of those games. I think they could easily come down to whoever has the ball last. It should be a very fun one there at Paulson Stadium, and then the only non-conference game of the day: Coastal Carolina travels to Fayetteville to take on Brett Bielema's Arkansas Razorbacks. Currently sit at three and five, but are coming off a crazy comeback victory to give them their first win of the SEC season. Arkansas earlier this year hosted New Mexico State and cruised a 42-24 victory. So that's not a great sign for Coastal Carolina. And coming off that disappointing loss, I think this could be a hangover spot for the Chanticleers. And I I think this one's going to get ugly pretty fast there in Arkansas. Yeah, it's uh... – <laughs> I'm afraid it will get ugly. The spread's 23-and-a-half on this game, and I am not. I really think I would even take the hogs on this one at 23-and-a-half. I mean, this is a game I'm afraid that, you know, first quarter Coastal Carolina could be facing anywhere from a 21 nothing to a 28 nothing deficit at the, after one quarter. They just really haven't stopped anyone all season, and you have to think that giving up 50 points again may be an option, even though Arkansas – isn't great, but they got a freshman quarterback. I believe his name's Cole Kelly. He's like 6'7", 280 pounds. Um, they've got some good running backs and a good offensive line. So I don't give Coastal much of a chance here, and they're probably going to fall to 1-8. and eight. And then we'll wrap up with the final game of the day. It's another 4 o'clock kick. Uh, UL Lafayette travels to Mobile to take on the South Alabama Jaguars. Both teams are looking to bounce back from tough road losses in their previous contests. Well, this is going to be a good matchup. Uh, South Alabama coming into this game a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a tough game because I think it's it. you're going to see a back-and-forth game here. I think you're going to see one team hit each other in the mouth and the other team's going to come right back, hit the other one in the mouth. I think you're going to see a good back-and-forth ball game. And I think this is one of those games you could see coming down to whoever has the ball last uh, in this matchup. The one thing I, I look at here and think that, well, maybe South Alabama has a chance to get this offense going a little bit more against a very vulnerable Raging Cajun defense. I think it's going to be a bounce-back performance for South Alabama's offense, especially their rushing offense after only carrying – are rushing for 401, or excuse me, 41 yards last week. Um, Dallas Davis had to throw it nearly 50 times, and that's not where he's um, successful. He needs to lean on a running game so they can mix in the play action. So I think you're going to see a, a real concerted effort from the South Alabama offense to get that running game going and to really control the time of possession and keep that UL off of it. 
offense on the sideline. I think uh, the Jags bounce back and get a big win at home. But just looking at the lineups, I think if you're looking for a really, really good game, this might be uh, your best bet. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you know, this is – if you're going to get a win, this is about one of your only spots to get it. And, you know, this is going to be – I really think this game's going to be one of the more fun games to watch on uh, Saturday uh, afternoon uh, in the Sun Belt. I think you're going to see a competitive game other than the Georgia-Southern Georgia State game. I think uh, this is going to be one of those games you really want to pay attention to because this game uh, could easily go – Either way, uh, by either way you look at it, both teams are uh, quarterback play has been hit and miss uh, this year for both teams. Been there in some games, not so much the others. Uh, the running game kind of been the same deal. I mean, th- these teams are similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, and for both, if they want to have a chance at Bell eligibility, they got to win on Saturday. So I think you're going to see two really desperate teams really fighting, you know, for their lives and playing. Uh, some of their best games of the season there. So I think it's going to be a good one at Lab People Stadium. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up here, Aikman. Um, what are you really looking forward or looking for this weekend for the Sun Belt or some teams in the Sun Belt to accomplish? Well, I'm looking for Appalachian State number one to have a bounce back performance. Uh, it's definitely needed after the the way they played against UMass uh, last Saturday. And I'm also looking. I'm also looking for. Uh, Georgia Southern to possibly grab win number one on this season. Uh, this is one of the possible spots for it, but you know Georgia State could deliver that dreadful 0 and 8 stick into Georgia Southern's heart. And I mean, this is like we've talked about this Georgia State Georgia Southern game. Just because Georgia State's three and one in conference play, four and three on the season, and Georgia Southern's 0 and seven, 0 and three. You seen flashes last week of a Georgia Southern team that could possibly start to try to turn over a new leaf now that Summers is out of the picture. Those are some really good points. That Georgia State-Georgia Southern game is really intriguing. I think for both programs, it, the tables have kind of been turned because now Georgia Southern, the the established program, can play spoiler to a Georgia State program that's really got a lot of momentum right now. So that's an interesting little matchup, I think, that one that we're not used to seeing very often. But for me, I, it's New Mexico State. That It's just going to be a great story if they can get to a bowl game in their final year in the Sun Belt. It gives them some a little bit of life as they head into independent, um, the independent state that they're getting into next year as they're leaving the Sun Belt. And to do that, like we talked about earlier, they need to win this Saturday. They need to beat Texas State. So I want to see the Aggies go into San Marcos and pull out a victory so we can get that program in a bowl game finally. Yeah, absolutely. Want to break that streak, uh, and it'd be good for them to do it before they uh, fall into that black abyss that is the independent life at the NCAA D1 level. But uh, you make some really good points there as well, Adam. And then, of course, I I want to see Troy's Arkansas State both went out, so that makes that a big game that that first Saturday in December. So, Troy, just take care of business. Stop messing around and getting upset. But we'll wrap it up here. It's going to be another crazy Saturday in the fun belt, Aikman. I know I know you're excited for it, and I am too. Yeah, absolutely. going to be a really good week. Got some good games uh, on the docket this weekend. As uh, Hard to believe it, but only a month. That's all that's left in the regular season. So all these games down the stretch, very crucial. Again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Just like you know, we love the feedback, so if you could drop us a review, 
Um, let us know what you think of the pod. If you like the new mailbag format, if you like our current format, how it's standing, and make sure you're listening to our other podcast we've got one for the aac uh joe talk uh both our joe and joey from the site handle that and then our csa pod with joe, another joe and satchel who are doing a really good job um make sure you're checking out those podcasts and uh make sure you're following us on twitter and liking us on facebook we really appreciate it but until next week we'll see you later